Welcome to another edition of Bulldog Unleashed. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Emily Wayne. Emily is the daughter of my good friends, John and Jennifer Wayne. Emily has an incredible story. She recently made it back from South America during this whole COVID-19, and it was not an easy trip. It was full of obstacles, and you'll hear about those. You'll also hear a little bit about what it's like to live in the Amazon. She spent a year and a half living there in a town called Iquitos, which is quite a story in itself. Find out what it's like to live abroad and live in the Amazon. Without any further ado, sit back, relax, enjoy, and listen to my interview with Emily Wayne. It's an incredible story. She's an incredible young lady. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Bulldog. Hey, Emily. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Are you, are you feeling a little bit back to normal? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I really am. The other day, <laughs> even yesterday, I was just so out of it and... Every day is so much better. So it's, yeah, it's Good. way, way better. Well, I'm, thanks I'm, for understanding that the other day. Oh, absolutely. No, I was like, man, I felt terrible afterwards. I was like, Jesus, you, what you've been through, and what am I doing here? <laughs> I felt awful. <laughs> so, no, don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry about it at all. So, how's life back in the States? Oh, it's good. I mean, we know we're still, um, I'm already now that you know I'm feeling a bit better. I'm already ready to sort of get in the car and drive around and do stuff, and <laughs> I can't do that right now. But but uh, it feels really really good, and uh, I feel like I still have these little. Every now and then I'll just be staring out a window or something and just get, get like a movie, like this movie in my head that replays so everything. And y your story that that we got to tell it because. Do you, are you realizing how absolutely incredible it was now that you think back? Yeah, sometimes to a degree. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, whatever. But yeah, like I said, sometimes when, you know, my boyfriend and I, I don't know if my parents told you, but we're, we're, uh, they rented a trailer for yeah. us in quarantine. <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so we're like yesterday night, we're just sitting outside the trailer and we're just like, you know, looking around and we just were like, do you remember like, you know, we're just talking about the absurdity of everything that happened. And we're just like, yeah, this is, that was crazy. Like, this is so crazy now to be here. It doesn't feel real. And you, and this was just a week ago. is what I, I think less than a week ago is when you got back. Yeah, I think we got back on the 17th. So I guess yeah. it's six days ago now. Yeah, know. it was because I had, I was in touch with your dad. And, you know, through this whole thing, man, I mean, I, I, I should show you one of these. When I see you, I'm going to show you the list of, of text <laughs> messages. And it was just step by step. Now, you're living this. We're going, I'm going through this with text messages. And I'm feeling awful for you, but you're living this. And so if we were to go back, because I, I, I want to set the stage for the listeners just a little bit further back than last week. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So. Take me back to when you first went to the Amazon. And and what is that like? Can oh, you remember that? When we first went to the Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. that was uh, almost two years ago right. now. Um, and uh, oh, living in the Amazon is hard to describe in a, in a short, short thing, but it's Hey, we've got, oh, listen, we've got all day. You can't go anywhere. I got plenty of tape. We don't have to make it a short thing. Just go. This, is, <laughs> this isn't a radio okay. interview. This is a podcast. We have as many hours as you want. 
Okay. Yeah, Yeah. because people don't know what it's like. I mean, it's what you did is, uh, you know, not not the regular thing. So tell me, what's the Amazon? Yeah. The Amazon, well, it's it's strange because when I first got there, you know, I thought there would be like a, I thought every time I turned around, a giant snake was going to try to eat me. You know what I mean? I had those like expectations about the Amazon that there's an anaconda in like every corner and I'm going to get a malaria in two seconds if I don't put bug spray on and all those things. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. Which, so, you know, so you're telling me it's not like that? Because up until right now, that's what I thought it was, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, but that's the thing. It, it, it can be like that. Like, it, it can be like that. But then, you know, after a while, you get really comfortable and you're like, ah, you know, I can just, you know, I don't have to wear shoes right here or like, you know, I can leave my door open for this many seconds or whatever. But, but in reality, it's, it still is like, it is the most, it is the hottest place I've ever been on this planet. It's just, you wake up at seven in the morning and, you know, as soon as you step outside the shade of your, your room, because my room didn't have any, uh, like, real windows. It just had a screen. Okay. So, you know, there's bugs coming in all the time because there's holes and things everywhere. So, but anyway, as soon as you step outside the your room, it's you're just swimming in the air i mean you're immediately drenched in sweat it's so hot why like, did why did you decide to go there what was the original reason i don't know i think i just i when i graduated from college i was um i was working for a solar company i was working in sales i was selling solar panels um i was also working for the the government of um orlando of orlando florida in the sustainability department Okay. And I was doing all these different kind of things, but I just really didn't like, I just didn't like the feeling of, you know, driving in traffic and I didn't like, I just didn't feel like that was what I wanted to do, you know, going to school for all these years. And I was also was in a relationship that wasn't working out very well and living with that person. And I just thought this isn't it, you know, like this is not what life is about. And I just, I think I originally literally Googled like jobs abroad. What <laughs> like did that you was like my Google search? What did you go to school for, like, major-wise? I went to school for anthropology and environmental science, and then I had a minor in Latin American and Caribbean studies. Wow. Yeah. Very impressive. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah. But but when you you got out, that's just not what it – you weren't doing what you wanted to do. No, I mean, I was working in an office. I sat in traffic for like an hour or two or every day. Yeah. I, you know, I lived in this little neighborhood and it was, and it, you know, I just, yeah, I don't know. There was something that didn't feel right. And I thought that, that something else could be done. Now the, I was just, uh, what was it? Rollins at the school? Rollins? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was just there for the first time in my life. I had heard about this area. I had never been, um, winter, what's it called? Winter Park, Florida. Is that what it was? Winter, yep. yep. Yeah. Now, is mm-hmm. that where you lived at, when you were working in Orlando too, or did you move from there? Uh, I moved a little. Like I, I lived. I still technically lived in Winter Park, but it wasn't really in Winter Park. The probably the part that you're thinking about. It, it's. I mean, but it was still really nice. Because <laughs> when you see Winter Park, like I saw for the first time, like just this past, uh, I guess it was past December, that place is spectacular. I mean, it's it's yeah. like picture perfect, perfect, and maybe maybe 
too perfect of a place almost, right? I mean, yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Definitely. I, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, it's it, originally, that school was actually started by um, Cornell, the, the school, uh, okay. Cornell in Ithaca. And it was a school for all the, the people who couldn't bear the cold of Ithaca, New York, that wanted to go to, you know, the same kind of school in, in Florida. So um, I don't think academically it still has the same, like, you know, reputation as Cornell. And I mean, I know it doesn't anymore. But well, um, it does when people so, hear about that's it. that's how it started. If you look it up, it does. I mean, it's just an amazing school to go to. I had never heard of it. So, all right. So you're living there. <laughs> um, you're working there. You're tired of, of the commute. I get it. You know, I I mean, when you and I met, that's kind of what I did. I, I moved away from the city to, to the islands, not as extreme as what you did, but I totally <laughs> understand. And, you know, it's cool is that your mom and dad understood. Right? It's cool that what, sorry? That your mom and dad understood when you decided to up and leave. Yeah, I think originally they were really skeptical and they thought that because the job actually sounded really cool and interesting and I think they were, you know, skeptical for me that you don't know what you're getting into and, you know, you don't know what's going to So what was the job? Like, but they also... What was it when you, um, you, you, the job, you looked for jobs abroad and what did you find? Yeah, so it was, uh, originally it was, uh, it was an intern at this place where I was working um, called the School for Field Studies, which is a nonprofit working in 10 countries around the world in environmental education. And it's mainly a study abroad school for American college students who want to go out and learn, you know, research methods and field methods in the fields of biology and ecology and anthropology. So it's really a semester abroad in all these different countries that provides people with the ability to, to learn what it's like to do field work. To, to learn what it's like to be a biologist, to collect data, to analyze it, to research, to present that research to people in the community. So um, it's a pretty, uh, it's a really well-known school when it comes to people in the sciences. You know, when they try to okay. go to grad school or other schools or get PhDs, they see, oh, the school for field studies. They're like, okay, they know, you know, they know that this person knows what they're what they're doing because they've had this this education at this school. And did you have um, a choice? So, did you have a choice where to go? Uh, I, well, did I? I think, no, I, well, I originally ap applied for the manager position in Panama, um, which is, uh, their center is really interesting. They do like um, sort of research on tourism development and the impact of tourism on the beaches and islands of Panama. Okay. And then, so, uh, but I was still only, I think I was like 23 what how old am I now? <laughs> so I'm 24 now. So I was like 21 then, 22 or 21, 22. You're 20. Wait, um, you're so 24. You're 24 now. I've I've known you since you were four years old. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. That is crazy. That makes us both feel old, probably. <laughs> Me a lot older than you. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Wow, it's that's that's amazing. Okay, so whew, that just shook me up a little. All right, so <laughs> so uh, all right, so Panama. So that was your the manager of this place in in Panama. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I applied for that, you know, knowing that I was still pretty young to be doing it, but I thought whatever, shoot yeah. for the stars, you know, we'll see what happens. And um, I ended up getting an offer to be an intern in Peru, and I thought, okay, like that's 
you know, that's something that's good. And I was like, immediately I said, okay, I'll take it. You know, it, it was, I think there was like a $3,000 stipend, um, flights, all flights paid for housing paid for food paid for. And I was like, I'm in, you know, sounds good to me. I don't need a whole lot right now. Um, did you think you literally were... I accepted? <laughs> did... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, did you think you were going to like Lima, Peru, or, or did you know you were going into the Amazon? No, point. I knew I knew it would be in the Amazon. I okay. I mean I yeah, I knew I, that part. Okay. I wasn't um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that would have been even funnier if I if I didn't, if I thought it was gonna be like some city slicker and then I was like <laughs> So did you, in the, in the So table. you looked up uh what was it? Iquitos is where you were located, right? Yes, correct. And you looked it up and after looking it up you said, Yeah, that looks good to me or did you say maybe I'm doing the wrong thing? What what were your thoughts? Uh, I think, you know, I looked it up and I thought, wow, I've never been to the Amazon. I've always wanted to go there. Um, I could see that the center wasn't exactly in the city. So it was more, you know, sort of a, in, in nature. And um, honestly, I, I must say, I really didn't like, I, I looked at it. I looked it up. I read about the city a little bit, but in my mind, I was leaving. Like, no matter what, yeah. it felt like <clears throat> very... It- so very few things could have stopped me at that point. And you were in, right from Orlando there, or did you make us? Did you come home for a bit? What did? You, what was? You know, because uh, you had a job in Orlando. Uh, I, so, right. Yeah. I know. And and you know, by the time I applied, I think I heard back within a week. Okay. And then I had an interview. I had to go through two or three different interviews. One you know, one with some head of something other one was the director who became my immediate boss and one of my best friends right now. And, um, and then I had to do another one in Spanish. So I had to do three interviews. And by the time all of that was done, uh, it was like, you know, I told them I have to give my two weeks notice at my job. So I can't get there any sooner than in two weeks. Um, because they were actually really, you know, urgently looking for someone at that time. Okay. Um, so, you know, I had to wait two weeks to leave Orlando and I think I went home for like five days to get, you know, some of my, (laughs) the stuff I would need. And then, uh, yeah, I just, it was like within three weeks of applying, I was there. It was really quick. Okay. So describe, uh, describe to people what you get to Iquitos, you've never been before and what is it like? Uh, how would you describe it? Because you could only um, get really there. Reminded me. You you could only get there by airplane or boat, right? So they isn't it? You said the yep. largest city in the world that's not accessible exactly. by exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, a city of five hundred thousand people. Only only available by by plane um, and boat. And um, you know, when I got there, it was it was really early in the morning, and it was. Super hot. Like I mentioned again, it was yeah, so that, hot. When you that, get out of the plane, you're just like this blanket of of like humidity coming over you. Um, and I remember the first thing driving. We actually had to go. The so my boss picked me up, and we she said, you know, we have to go to the grocery store. And it was really interesting. You know, going into the city, I I just it reminded me a lot of Southeast Asia in a way. Um, I've been to Cambodia and some countries in Laos and Thailand before, and it was this strange like feeling of you know this tropicalness these big palm trees but it's in a city and all the the tuk-tuks i don't know um do you know what those are yeah Yeah. so you know that the city is full of those there's almost you know there are barely any cars because one 
getting cars there is so expensive, you know, due to just the lack of connectivity to the rest of the country and the world. Sure. So most people, you know, you go there and it's so loud. I mean, if you want to have a phone call on the street, like, forget about it. It's just so, <laughs> so loud. <laughs> I, I never, I never looked this up until we talked and then I looked it up and, you know, I, I went uh, Google maps and dropped the little guy in there. Um, it's really, uh, I mean, congested <laughs> you know, 500,000 people in this area. These houses are on top of each other. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming there's gotta be some, uh, I don't know. Is there, is there a city center of this place? That's, you know, what is it? What is it? Quito's known for? I mean, they've got everything. It's a lot of people. So, yeah. Um, well, so interestingly, originally Quito's was actually built, um, during in the late you know it was found by missionaries as like a missionary post in the i want to say mid mid 1800s okay um you know people going there trying to convert a lot of the indigenous peoples and tribes to Catholicism okay but then really after that it actually became one of the, the epicenters for the centers for the the rubber boom when the rubber industry Okay. Started taking off in the Amazon, you know, and I don't know if you've heard of um, Manaus in Brazil. No. Um, it's another big city on the mouth of the Amazon with these massive opera houses and, you know, these really old Victorian beautiful buildings because all of this cash flow was getting poured into these cities that were becoming the main areas where rubber was being harvested. So that's actually where rubber was, was found, the species. Okay. Um, and so it became... You know, all of these these people from all over Europe, mostly, were were coming to harvest the rubber and actually, you know, unfortunately, sort of slaughtering, not slaughtering, but, well, as a result, that's sort of what happened, the enslaving indigenous people to harvest rubber, which is actually, it's really, it's really hard to, it's not a plant, at least in that area, that you could farm, like you couldn't make like rubber plantations. Okay. So people had to, you know, go out in the wild, like through the Amazon jungle and find rubber trees to tap them. And they get tapped sort of in the same way that you would tap maple syrup where you create like with a machete, you might make like a V right. and the sap trickles down and it's a, it's a white sap. Um, and so these trees are, you know, scattered throughout the Amazon jungle. You can't really farm them. They, they're enslaving indigenous people there to, to go and tap these trees. Um, and all of that money is funneling into the city of Iquitos because they think that that's going to be, you know, a big place where people are going to want to come and live, you know, to the people that are making the money off the rubber boom. And also they're sending that money back to Europe. And, and uh, eventually, I think in the 1930s, it was um, some guy smuggled these rubber, these rubber tree seeds out of the Amazon, took them to Asia, and it turns out that for some reason there, the soil, or I don't know what it was, but these trees could be farmed in Asia, and they could, and, you know, so that completely changed the industry there, and it collapsed completely in wow. the Amazon, so everything moved to Asia, they could farm it there, it was way easier, um, and then, so what you have in Iquitos is these really you know, these big, old, Victorian, beautiful buildings, you know, I mean, there's just like, yeah. I wish I could show you a photo of them, but, you know, and so you have that in the middle of people living in poverty, 
wow. and tuk-tuks and all around them. So I don't know if you can visualize it, but it's it's actually very surreal and, and incredible. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, right now I'm looking at a map of, on Google Map. I don't know what area you're, you'd be talking about where these places are. Like where would, uh, is there a certain area of Iquitos that is more set up with these uh, big Victorians? Yeah, um, if you look at, if you try to look up the Plaza, like P-L-A-Z-A de Armas, A-R-M-A-S, Plaza de Armas. Yep. Got it. That's like the main center square of Iquitos. And then, you know, there's, I think, you know, a couple hundred feet from there, um, the river yep. exists. There's a river there. Oh, yeah. um, now I see it. Yep. And uh, yeah. And so the a lot of those buildings are right on the river, are right near the plaza. Um, okay. Yep. The main grocery store is actually in one of those buildings. <laughs> so it's kind of. Uh, you know, and a lot of the, the people there harvesting the, the rubber, well, not harvesting, but well, I guess they call them, they call them rubber barons. Okay. So obviously they're not the ones doing the harvesting, but the guys putting the money into it, you know, organizing everything, um, now, on the main grocery store, there's a big do the, name that says Cohen. Sorry, go ahead. Do the people there resent the, you know, how do the people feel? Because I'm seeing the the buildings you're talking about. Yes, they're they're big, beautiful buildings. They they're absolutely they're gorgeous. Um, do the people there uh, uh, resent? Oh, well, obviously they resent the fact. But I mean, I don't know who's who's running it. Uh, I don't know anything about this place. I'm fascinated by it. I really am. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I, the thing is, and this I don't want this to sound condescending or yeah. you know, it, but. I just don't think people know the history there well enough. Like, I don't think local people, a lot of, like I said, education, you know, doesn't, people aren't very well educated. They don't get an opportunity to, you know, have a, have edu- get a high standard of education. Um, and so I, I've often wondered that. I really do. Because I'm like, what are these people, you know, when Spanish tourists come or European tourists, what, you know, what must they think? It's like these people... Well, what do, what do they think? I mean, when now, uh, I mean, right now the airport's closed, but I'm saying, uh, is Iquitos a popular tourist destination for do people? What are you going there for? Why would I go to Iquitos? Absolutely. It's a super popular tourist destination for two main reasons, really. Um, one would be, you know, visiting the Amazon and going on the Amazon, you know, going on a boat down the Amazon and seeing pink river dolphins. Okay. It's, uh, they have a special species of dolphin in the Amazon that are actually pink. They okay. Pink dolphins, um, all these different animals. But then, so there's that. And then there's also um, well, what I would call like the hmm, like plant <laughs> healing, like medicinal alternative. Oh, so it, it, would that be like that, like ayahuasca type of stuff? Is that the uh, Iquitos? Yes, oh, it's exactly. known for that. Oh, okay. It's the epicenter of that for, oh. for for in Peru. Oh well, like, I didn't, okay. Well, you should have said that. Come on, now 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 that makes more. <laughs> so that is where people go when you hear about people doing ayahuasca. It's it's in Iquitos. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of the places like okay. they, you can do it in multiple different areas, but I'd say because the Amazon in particular is. Um, was known or at least the the tribes and peoples of the Amazon yes um are the ones that are most known for using having used ayahuasca that's sort of where you can 
you're able to find a, a lot of it. But there's also a lot of other cities, like um, even in Cusco, to a degree, you can find a lot of like ayahuasca retreats. Okay. But in Iquitos, the sad, the the more of the sad thing there is that that's one of the cities where it's been extremely commodified. Okay. I mean, it's just been it's been it yeah. is it's sort of this sacred plant you know that these tribes have used for thousands and thousands of years and it's yes it induces you know visions and hallucinations but for them it's their connection to their cosmology and their in the spirit world and but you have people that you know don't necessarily come to do it with the right intentions and then also as not as a result but you have people there that claim to be shamans you know local even peruvians that claim to be curanderos like curers and shamans but they're not, they just see it as a, you know, a way of making money with, you know, off of these white people. Got it. Um, yeah. So it's, now, it's I, I, a little I, bit of an issue. I got it. And did the, the, well, I guess the local people there realize this and, and, uh, like you, if, if you realize the local people must realize it too. And now I, I don't want to put you on the spot with whether or not you've done ayahuasca, but do you know a lot of people who have done this stuff for the right <laughs> reasons? Um, <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, I, I personally haven't done it. Um, I just, it's, it's really one of those things. I think you have to really, you know, do it the right way and be ready and be in the right mental state and just, you know, be ready to see what you're going to see. And I do my, actually my, so my boyfriend might be someone interesting for you to talk to because he is actually in the, he's a filmmaker and a photographer and he's in the process of making a documentary about, um, shamanism and plant medicine in the Amazon. I would love to. Well, I would so, like to talk to him. I'm guessing he's right there with you because you guys can't leave, right? So now, <laughs> now is my opportunity. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's actually. Well, he's no, he's not here right now, but oh, I'm sure okay. he would love to. Yeah, to, to talk I, about it sometime. I definitely would. So when you hear about people, and I'll, I'll talk to him more about it since he's into it. But when you hear about people, and I know you know, I'm sure you've known people there who have done it. What do they say about it after their experience with ayahuasca? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a, I know, I know a lot of people who've done it. Um, and I think it's really, a, it's pretty different for everyone. I, I mean, it's different, but it's also not, I think, and, and for, from what people say, but people, a lot, what I, one thing I've heard a lot is that you, you become almost part of the plants. Like you're, you're drinking these sacred plants, right. With these properties such as DMT and all these, you know, different things. And that you actually, you know, you realize that the plants are speaking to you, that you have, you make this barrier of not a barrier, but this channel of communication with the plants and the spirit world and different animals and, yeah, no, it's it's uh, and it's and people. It's almost like they hesitate to, to to really talk about it because it's like they know how crazy it will sound. But you're communicating with 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 the earth, you know, and you're communicating with spirits and people. You know, you get different spirits spirits that take over your body, um, and you become those spirits. Like people often talk about becoming the jaguar, and the jaguar helps lead you to find answers for things in your life and. It's really yeah, interesting. No, it, it, it is it is unbelievable when you you know when I first heard about this stuff. I, I mean, it's been going on way longer than I've heard about it. But uh, then you do hear about people who want to do it for the wrong reasons, and you hear about all the oh, I want to go there to right. you know, to do yeah, this trip, it, yeah. and you know, 
to like a, just a drug trip, you know, the, the next step in that. But that's not what it's really exactly. About. But that's not what it's about. Exactly. It's yeah. not a. It's exactly. It's not a hardcore LSD trip. You know, it's it's not. And if and if you if that's what you go there for, you know, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get things served to you. I mean, that's what right. my partner's saying before that. You know, if you know, you start sort of not abusing the abusing the medicine, but really disrespecting it. Like he's like, you know, it's almost like Mother Nature is just gonna slap you in the face, and like right. that's what happens to a lot of people, and that's why they have. Some people have really, I mean, even a bad experience doesn't mean that it wasn't meant to be there. You can learn a lot from, you know, bad experiences that or that feel bad at first, but there's a lot of lessons in there. And most yeah. people say it's not pleasant. Like, it's not a fun time. You I mean, you're throwing up almost but, a lot. You're, then why do they, then what does it take? Like people that you know have, how did you get into the mind, not you, but how do those people get to the mindset the right way to want to do it? Knowing you're going to be sick, everybody's going to get sick, and it's yeah. A, I think well, I mean, it, it's not. It's also um, you know there it, it it does heal, and for a lot of things, for a lot of illnesses, people have said to they've been able to get rid of. I can't even. I mean, like I said, I've never done it, so I don't necessarily feel like I'm. You know, I I, I can be the right spokesperson for okay why people decide to do it. Um, right. but that it's like, you know, it's a cleanse for your body, for your soul. It's a way to sort of balance your, your energy centers. It's a way to get rid of traumas. They say that, you know, an ayahuasca ceremony can be like years of of psychotherapy, you know, where you, you know, you get in the back of your mind and you realize what are things that have been blocking you and holding you back and keeping you from, you know, really living your, your fullest and happiest self. And, it's well, I, worked for a, a lot of people. I got a question for you. How about people that you know? You've known people who have done it. Do you notice a big difference in people who have done it? Like before um, and after? Do they seem like, yeah, they're a, they're in a much better place now? That's interesting. I would say it's almost like I actually don't think I know anyone. Everyone I know who's done it did it before I met them. So okay. I almost can't even answer that question. Got it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of an exception, but I can't think of one. Okay, that's fair. Fair enough. Okay, so uh, so this town of Iquitos, uh, right now, uh, if other than that, uh, the the rubber industry is is done from there. I'm guessing. Right. Mm-hmm. What other industries are popular there? I mean, because like I said, you got a half million people. Somebody's doing something. They got to be making a living off right. of something. Um, um, yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good question. I'm trying to think, well, really, you know, a lot of people are farming. A lot of people are, are, are farming and growing things. Um, the, the tourism is, is really big. I wouldn't, as a main industry, you know, I'm almost gonna, I'm almost like Googling it right now because I'm trying to think if it would be like, uh, cause what I, what I mostly really was exposed to was the, the farming of people, you know, the people around me and the. The, the tourism industry in the city. Now, but, where did um, you live? What what part of uh, Iquitos were you living in? Uh, I lived about an hour and a half outside of the city. Um, there's one road that connects Iquitos to Nauta. Okay. And so Nauta is a city that's further, it's, further uh, south. south. Yep. Yeah. I'm seeing it um, now. And um, so you lived on that so road a, on on road right. l- route number one hundred and three. It looks like 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. well, I never knew it was called that. Okay. Oh. It, it, it could have been called. Well, I'm just looking at Google says that's what it's called. <laughs> it also looks like it's the uh, I don't know something road. Okay. So so you lived on that road outside of town. Yep, I lived on a kilometer. But my literally our address was kilometer fifty four point two. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I, you know that's how far because everything is you know how many kilometers is it away from the city. Oh, well, so we're 54 kilometers away from the city. Okay, well, I'm looking as I'm as I'm Google searching. I'll tell you, Google's amazing. This Google Maps, um, the, you know, this road is. It looks like there's a lot of stuff off this road. It's not when you're in the middle of no. You're not really in the middle of nowhere. Like along that whole road, there's a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Got yeah, it. that road is, and it actually brings into issue kind of the. You know, I think that road, I mean, that road as being a, just a, a trail really has existed, I think, for a really long time. I would say maybe since the 30s or 40s, 50s, ever since they started kind of developing Iquitos. Okay. But then the pavement of that road and having, you know, it, them paving that road, which I think was in 1992, has caused so many environmental issues and things because, you know, you put a road somewhere, all of a sudden there's this huge access to markets. People are able to to farm more. They think, you know, now I'm not going to subsistence farm, but I'm going to farm enough to be able to sell things. So people are clearing more land. And one of the biggest issues for of deforestation in, in the Amazon, of course, there's, a, you know, you probably heard about the large scale cattle farming in Brazil. Yes. Um, but in at least in Peru, and I'm sure in parts of other Amazonian regions of Ecuador, Colombia, everything, the small scale farming is one of the biggest threats and issues and, you know, a lot harder because it's a lot harder to tell local people, no, you can't farm to make more money because, mm. you know, you're, you're hurting the environment and you're tearing down the Amazon rainforest. It's, it's a lot harder to, to say that than it is to tell large corporations, you know, stop clearing miles of land for cattle. But, do, do you think, um, Emily, you've been there, you've lived, you've lived in the States, you've lived over there. Do you think the people there appreciate the forest more than we do? Or when you're saying small-scale farming, it sounds to me like they're, they're also using it for that. But do they have a different appreciation for the land? Yeah, I think like a different appreciation than, say, Americans would for the land in the United States or Americans' appreciation uh, of land for the Amazon. Well, let's go with both. How about both? Uh, do they have an appreciate? Well, they must have more of an appreciation for the Amazon because a lot of Americans couldn't find the Amazon on a map. <laughs> okay, but but I mean, when you when you hear, listen, I, I mean, I've been desensitized to it. If I listen and you hear about, you know, they're they're taking you know, the rainforest and they're they're um, they're knocking this down and they're building this, it's not in my backyard. And I'm not seeing it like you saw it or these people mm -hmm. see it. So, you know, ultimately, oh boy, you know, you're going to look and wow, look at what it was and look at what it is. And when you see the charts and the maps and what it's done, yeah, it's upsetting. But when you're not right there, maybe mm -hmm. it's not so upsetting. And, mm. I, you know, do the people there, do you think, have a, a different take on it? Um, I would say, yeah, I think. It's almost, it's so, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's, 
you know, you, you have your area that, that you want to farm, but you're not necessarily maybe thinking about, you know, the thousands and thousands of other people that are doing the same thing. So okay, it's, it's, well, all right, it's well, almost like, it, now, now do you, okay. So here, now you look at the Amazon, do you look at it as a beautiful place? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Do the, do you think the people who live there, um, you know, you take it for, they, do they take it for granted that that's just what it is because they live in it? I think it's, I don't know, it's just so hard to, yeah. to answer that question because it's almost like, you know, would you, you know, it's like, I, do you take I drive you know, like running day. water for granted or well, like, you know, do you take, like, it's like, yes. it's, it's, yeah, 100%. It's like one of those things that you, it, yes. yeah, like well, you don't, yeah. you don't realize what you have until, until you don't until necessarily it's have it anymore. Sure. So well, I, absolutely. I think, Running water I take for granted. I, you know, I try not to take for, I drive every day, you know, down to Ocean City from Lewis and, and I get to go down Route 1 and it's beautiful. And I go over the Indian River Bridge. I don't think I take that view for granted. I, I try to appreciate it every day. But mm-hmm. when, it, when push comes to shove, do I? Well, yeah, because I do it every day. Do I ever yeah. do I ever think twice about flipping a switch on and getting electricity? No. I take it for granted. That I hit that switch, the, the electricity's gonna come on. Now, I don't know people where you were living. I don't even know if you guys had electricity. I don't know. Maybe you did or didn't. I don't know. Did you have electricity yeah. there? I don't know. Uh we did most of the time, okay. but it a lot of times it it didn't work. Yeah, well, that was kind of like St. Martin, too, and, and St. Barnes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It just goes off, and you're like, okay, well, that's how it's going to be for a while. Sure. <laughs> and then yeah, I hope, it, hope for it to come back on. But I, I just hope that people realize, well, if you look at it, uh, even looking at the map, and I haven't been, but, wow, looking at the size of the, uh, you know, the forest, I'm like, God, it's huge. <laughs> well, oh, my gosh, yeah. it's it's No, it's mind-blowing how big it is, and I think, I think one thing that I won't say that it's like people take it for granted, but there is sort of a difference. I would say that there is a different kind of respect for the land that I think that I see. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you hear about people when they, when they harvest their, their crop or they kill an animal to, for hunting, it's like they, before, you know, after they kill it or when they harvest it, they, they thank that animal or the plant. You know, they, there's like a given respect where it's this recognition, yes, I'm taking from you. Thank you. You know, and it's yeah. not like a, this excessive thing where, you know, take more than you need necessarily. And I'm sure that exists, but yeah. I thought it was really beautiful seeing that a lot of times with people. And then you, you ask for permission <laughs> to, to kill something from you know this divine thing that you know and so it's it's sort of a different respect and we do i mean i mean mean, i'm sure you obviously you know the the way land is used here most land is you know most of the the crops grown on the land are for animals here for so most land is yeah when when you came back like do you see it more now coming back to the states the uh lack of better word wastefulness well, ex- I not actually, wastefulness. How about how about excess is a better word. Excess. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's everywhere. The yeah. excess of, of everything. I mean, even right. going to the grocery store, right. why are there like twenty brands of toilet paper? Like 
Hey, right now you can't. Right now you can't get any. So <laughs> we just need one brand. Now, when you lived there, did you use the Amazon, the river itself? Did you use it to commute often, or I mean, I know there's a lot of business going on, but how about you personally? Uh, yeah, I, we. I mean, with my institution, we usually we had to travel to places. We. Um, you know, there are a couple different tributaries that you have to get on before you can get onto the Amazon itself. Cause it's a massive, massive, big, you know, roaring body of water. Yeah. In a lot of places. Um, but we would travel to some of the um, places that we would go for our, our school, for our lessons. We'd travel on the Amazon a couple of times. Yeah. yeah so from uh, the town, what is it? Nauta is the town you said? Yes. Okay. So from Nauta to iquitos on the amazon how long of a trip is that oh on the amazon itself um from Nauta to iquitos would probably take it might take up to two days oh really okay and then by by if you were to drive there it would be how far to drive from from now to iquitos like two hours two two and a half hours and it's two days on the amazon yeah, okay. I think. I mean, okay. to be honest, I never went from Nauta to Iquitos okay. on, by boat. So I really, I'm like totally throwing that out there as a guess. But that's okay. what I would think. Hey, your guess is better than mine, so I'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and and there's a lot of traffic on the Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah, there is a lot of, yep. Okay. A lot of movement. I mean, that's, yeah, that is the, the main sort of road and connectivity for a lot of the people living alongside the edge. Got it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. At some point, I'll get myself there. All right. So I got it. Now, now we've got to go. We've, we've set a bit of a stage. Um, you, did you enjoy living there? I loved it. I, I truly loved it. Yeah. I, what? It takes a while to getting used to, um, to getting used to the heat and the bugs and uh you know no electricity and things but there's definitely like this energy in the amazon it just it's almost like a love-hate relationship sometimes you're like squatting you're sweating you're uh, like you know just but then there's like this it's almost like this overarching you know energy that draws you in it's yeah i loved it okay so so we've got the cons the cons are the bugs the heat and all of that the humidity <laughs> The pros, um, give, give me more than energy. What what other pro, what else can you say that you loved about it? What is, is it? The people. Yeah the the people the people are so open and friendly and always, you know, just just always seem to have like this a smile or I mean you can't say everyone and these are of course the people I live with nearby in the community so of course they they smile at me but okay. <laughs> I smile at them but. Generally, I feel I felt a lot of warmth from you know people, even people I didn't know, and um, and uh, the other thing is, sorry, go ahead. No, and you did you never felt threatened anywhere there? No. Okay. No, really, no. And I, sometimes I I would say I would feel threatened maybe in Iquitos in the city, but it wasn't even. It was more of like other tourists actually. Okay. Had like strange, you know, strange interactions with certain tourists that were there for actually, you know, for ayahuasca and things, and got it. You know, strange vibes from people and stuff. But 
um, grow from at home at least in the in the jungle and with the locals never. Now I was I was going down that road. I don't know you know where you're fifty eight kilometers, but it looked like there's a town. Is it called uh, Virillo? Virillo? Vir- Do you know there's at, a um, very Ver- Veria Veria. Does it sound familiar to you? Uh, it, no. It what was like a kilometer. Is it? Uh, that's I can't tell. I don't see where the kilometer. That's why I couldn't figure it out. But it it seems like it's uh, the first kind of big ish town city that you get to on that road. And, I, and I, I'm just wondering, you know, uh, as you get further and further out from the city, are the people how different are the people? The further mm-hmm. out you get. I mean, I would say, you know, it's kind of like people in in their nature, I feel like just become a little maybe more calmer and and rural. But it's hard to say because I didn't stop a whole lot, really, when I would go from Iquitos to our center. I didn't really stop a lot at those communities or other towns along the way. I usually just went straight home. Um, All right. So so now. We we got up to this point. You're you're enjoying work. Everything's good. Life is good. And and then the COVID thing hit. Right? Is that pretty much the timing of this? Uh, you, you, yes. Well, you were, right before that, I actually traveled to yeah, I traveled to Cusco. You, you were that you were in Iquitos for how long total? Um, I was there for a year and a half. Oh, a year wow. and a half. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. you were that long. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So you so you were really I mean, I, set in. I made in. a couple trips home in between. Okay. Uh, you know, for Christmas and stuff, but I. Uh, how, how difficult of a trip is that? Like to go? I mean, just to to get back home to Maryland. How hard is it? Where do you have to fly from Iquitos to where? Uh, it's actually it's not too bad. Or maybe I just got in the groove of it, so it felt okay. But from Iquitos to Lima, it's about an hour, an hour and a half flight and then from lima you can fly directly to jfk or you can fly to miami which is about a six hour flight um from lima to miami and then from miami to baltimore is like i don't know an hour and a half hours or something that's nothing okay all right well i didn't realize it from iquitos to lima is only an hour and a half flight yeah it's crazy yeah i would have thought that was it blows my mind yeah okay all right, so so now you said you went to Cusco, which is a, a big city in Peru. Yes. Okay, and you went there for what? What was the original reason? Uh, the original reason was it was part of our our program, our semester. So, um, like I mentioned, you know, we study the Amazon region, um, and it can be it can get really confusing actually when you talk about the Amazon because the Amazon is like a Within Peru, it's a state, right? There's like the, the department of, you know, the Amazon just kind of like there's Michigan or whatever. There's, there's the Amazon as the state. And then there's also like the Amazon region, which encompasses, you know, everywhere that the Amazon as an ecosystem like covers sort of from Colombia to parts of Bolivia and Ecuador and Brazil. That There's that kind of Amazon. And then there's also like the Amazon basin, which is like referring to the Amazon River. So, so, so anyway, wait, now did you, did you, were you in the States of the Amazon too? Were you? The, no. The, okay. No, there's a, it's called, excuse me, it's called Amazonas. Okay. And then, but I was in Loreto, which is the, 
it's the largest uh, province or, or state in, in Peru. All right. Got it. Um, now, now how, and, deep, um, how deep into the jungle were you? Um, I guess when it comes to talking about how deep like it can get, not that deep because we're still pretty close to the road. Okay. Um, you know, there's still like that access and stuff, but I mean, we were like, and, and what bugs, you know, we talked earlier, but you were mentioning big bugs and stuff. What kind of bug? And, and I would think there would be an anaconda everywhere. So, uh, <laughs> you, you weren't seeing anacondas very often or were you? No, no. Seeing <laughs> okay. snakes, seeing snakes sometimes like, you know, and really, I mean, you know, and some of them were really, really poisonous too. So when you know that, then you're, it freaks out a little more too. Um, well, how do, yeah, but how do you know? How, how did you know which ones were poisonous? I guess keep your hands I out mean, of all of them. <laughs> oh yeah, you see a snake, you don't you don't touch the snake. Like you don't go near the snake. You don't try to get close. Like you see a snake there because you know that some of those snakes can bite you and literally kill you in four minutes. Like there, you, there's a bite and there's nothing you can do. There's venom that's going to get you unless you have it literally in your hand as you get bit. Um, wow. You know, so you know that there's just you just don't touch those things and honestly really you don't really try to touch anything that you don't like even i mean the competition for survival in the amazon is so immense between plants between insects between mammals and reptiles and anything that you know that anything that you that you could get close to you know has the ability to defend itself very well in order to survive (laughs) that's a really interesting way to to, it's an interesting way to put things because you don't really think of that especially with plants Oh, <laughs> plants. Yeah. I mean, the, oh, like there are certain plants that you can just brush up against and then all of a sudden your arm is like breaking out in a huge rash. Did you have um, any, did any of that happen to you? Yeah, I had a couple of strange skin things while I was there that went away pretty well. Do you um, walk, <laughs> do you walk into the jungle with a first aid kit every time? Every time. You do? Every time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, at least at least an antihistamine. At least that, if nothing else. Okay. Um, but as part of my job, I'm, part of my job, I'm a wilderness first responder, and that was one of my duties there when I did. So I went, you know, I went there as an intern, but then I became the manager, the student okay. affairs manager. Um, and one of the things there is that I, I did have to do the wilderness first responder course, um, which is like a you know, a certification. <laughs> yeah, basically that's, getting people to the, just keeping people alive, really, until you yeah, can get them to a that's hospital. A big, Emily, that's on. a big job, you know, having to keep people alive. You, know, you really you really reach for the stars, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> so, so, like, what do you, how do you learn this? I would think the only person who could learn is someone who was born and raised there and grew up with it. I mean, to learn wilderness in the Amazon sounds totally different than learning wilderness here at, uh, you know, uh, uh, frontier town or even <laughs> even shinkati i mean uh, acid dig or something but wow you're in the jungle learning wilderness survival that's that's pretty cool great skills yeah i mean well i actually i took the course actually in uh, in maryland but then i did another course in in peru for yeah the more because a lot of the stuff you know when it comes you know when it comes to if if someone's bleeding to death and you know trying to be able to stop that, I'm sorry, I mean bleeding to death. If someone's bleeding, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Right. Um, and you know when it comes to the human body, once something goes wrong, it's like you don't even look for the source, but you know you figure out what's the what's the problem. Where do I need to do I need to 
look at the nervous system is it physical is it you know and so when the human body stays the same but then of course to like in the amazon it was to learn more about being able to yes identify like is this from an insect is that from this is this from that um so That's, this is fascinating yeah. this is really fascinating stuff <laughs> I, I mean, I hope you appreciate how fascinating your story is. And, and we haven't even gotten into the story of your story because we've <laughs> got to get the real story. You go to Cusco and you said you went there as part of your studies. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So, and that's a big city. Uh, Cusco is a big city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cusco okay. is like 495,000 people or okay. something. Yeah. Along those lines. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, and, and a lot of people are familiar with it because isn't that the stop where most people go before they go to Machu Picchu? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And Machu Picchu is how far from Cusco? Uh, Machu Picchu. So, okay, this is kind of embarrassing. I've actually never been to Machu Picchu, even okay. though I lived in Peru for Yeah, but, but you know what? But that's um, too, that's not embarrassing because it's too touristy for you. <laughs> you don't you don't like the mainstream type of things and and it doesn't shock me. So. That's true. I mean yeah. to in a, to a degree it's true. I really wish I would have gone. I just kept thinking oh I'll go later and then this all happened but Okay. Um but it is yeah um it is a uh, I think my Picchu is like from what I from what I know from Cusco you go to Cusco you have to go to another town to get to Machu Picchu. So it's actually inaccessible from Cusco. You have to go to this small town called Aguas Calientes um, mm. and take a train from there. But oh. that's, but again, of course that town is only accessible, you know, through Cusco. You could get there from other parts, but most people fly into the, you know, the Andean capital and go there that way. Okay. Yeah. The easy way. Right. Not, not that anything's way, fun way. Not that anything's easy going to Machu Picchu or any of those places. But all right, so all right, now all right, so you're in Cusco and you're doing your work and then the the COVID thing hits. And how long were you in Cusco before that um how long were you in Cusco before that happened? We were in Cusco for uh about 10 days before that happened and that was just as long as we had wanted to stay there. Um Okay. And, uh, and then you were, you were stuck. I mean, you were there, you were stuck. There was no going back to Iquitos. So everything shut down. Exactly. Yeah. We were there. We, well, technically, so the, the lockdown happened on March 16th and our flight was March 16th. So we could have still taken that flight, you know, with all of our students. Um, oh yeah. I didn't tell you the reason why we were there. So we, because we study the Amazon um, and Cusco and the Andes mountains are the source of the Amazon. And uh, we, we go there to also study that area. Right. So we were just there doing, you know, field work and, and different, different things there. Um, now anyway, when you're so saying, when you're, when you're studying the Andes, what, what are you studying? Um, we're traveling to different altitudes, different types of forests and ecosystems there. Okay looking at you know so we'll we'll go there and we'll visit like the cloud forest for example where sort of it's sort of the altitude or the clouds really form okay um we'll go there and maybe look at things like you know try to monitor or look at ways or methods of monitoring climate change by looking at different species 
um, you know, that will change an elevational gradient based on warming or cold, the, the warmth, or, sorry, the warming or the, 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 I don't know how you say, the colding of the temperatures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like yeah. epiphytes, for example, um, which are uh, plants that tend to grow um, on trees. You know, you see these little, little plants that grow up at treetops. Um, those are epiphytes. Okay. Those tend to migrate, you know, their or their abundance and their presence tend to migrate based on the the temperature. So, you know, you can monitor how will these species adapt or survive during climate change. Um, and yeah, so it was that's uh, one tiny example of things you might look at. But okay, and and when you were out there, were you were you camping in the Andes or were you? Uh, what were your conditions like there? Uh, we we will we actually spend a lot of time at this research station okay in the in the cloud forest it's like um i had a, sorry i don't know now, very well it, is it a is it a research station with people from all over the world or is it just your uh the school for the field studies people no it's for people all around the world okay. um biologists go there to use that station and the trails and things there to conduct research it's Got yeah, it. it's open to the world and scientists and, and stuff. But okay. We, we go there and use it. Um, so yeah. we're staying there. Yeah. It's actually one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in my life, particular bio, bio, biological research station. Okay, um, now that says a lot because um, you, you have been to a lot of places. <laughs> so for <laughs> you to say it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life, that holds a lot of water with me. Just so you know, because you've and seen and it. And all. I and I really mean it. I really mean it. I mean it's uh, I, it's incredible. And they have accommodations for you know for students that are like bunk style, but they also have accommodations that are for you know if you you want to make it a a nice kind of trip or something with your wife or your family. And these these little sort of houses that stand over this cliff, and you know the the clouds. And this mountain is like right in front of your face. I mean, there's a, it's it's just right there, and this these clouds are forming at your eye level. So you're just you're literally on the clouds in the clouds. Now, how um, how high are the uh, what, what how high are the Andes? I'm not sure. Um, so this particular uh, elevation of the cloud the cloud forest is two thousand eight hundred meters, which is lower than Cusco. So I think it's about eight thousand and nine thousand feet. Okay. Um, Cusco is about eleven thousand feet, and these we just this is just a little bit below that. Um, so, but it's I'll, I'll send you some pictures so, later of it. Okay. It's just incredible. Sounds good. All right, so like nine thousand feet. Okay, and are you, at ten thousand mm-hmm. feet, uh, you start to really feel it. You know, you need you need oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even even at the nine thousand feet, I'd say you can still you go on a hike, you can you can still kind of feel it. So, are you are you traveling with oxygen all the time there as well? No, no, not really. Um, we, you know, we uh, we try with our students because you know you have so many people with different. I mean, just people, just different people, you know, who who will adapt differently. Um, we try to, you know, we get to Cusco, we're there for one night, then we go down. So we drive down to this cloud forest. So that way your body, you know, it gets oh, to altitude, gotcha. but then to adjust 
we go down a little bit. So then it's just the adjustment is easier and more fluid. And then after like three or four days, we drive back up to an even higher altitude than Cusco, at like uh, thirteen thousand feet. So you like you have to like acclimate yourself to the different levels. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And yeah. if you're not feeling good at altitude, the best thing to do is just go down. Go down. Just go back down. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, it's 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 fascinating. I mean, it, it it truly is. Hey, do you see people jogging there? I'm just thinking people can't be exercising much up at that height. <laughs> I mean, because that person's if <laughs> if I see someone from Cusco, they they have got to win the Olympics if they could do it there, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Totally, totally. Not, no, you don't see many people jogging, uh, but I do see like these old women, like these <laughs> very old women walking up these yeah. steep hills for their potato crops. And yeah. I'm just like, I can't, I don't know how they're doing uh, Well, actually, they're not. They're 25 years old. They just look that old. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> yeah, there are no old people there. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing opening a bicycle shop in Cusco would not be a good business. Right. Well, <laughs> can't do that. Yeah. No, perhaps not. Okay. Perhaps not. So much for that idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now how many kids were with you? Um, how many students did you have? Uh, we had 21 students this semester. It's a big responsibility, Em. 21 kids. Yeah. You're responsible yeah. for it. And it, I am. It, and and, yeah. and whose who's, uh, ultimate call was it to not go back to Iquitos when this COVID started? Um, my, my, the director and I, my boss, we, we, uh, you know, we talked about that morning we had to get on our flight and we were still at the hotel and we, you know, we just kept, we were with the the head of faculty, the academic director, um, my boss, the director and myself. Um, and we just, you know, we just thought about all these scenarios of going back and the lack of healthcare there. I mean, there is some, but not what. What, what we would have needed to withstand all of this um and we just thought you know we're better off here and also it's just so isolated in Iquitos we thought you know eventually our students are going to have to go home right how are we going to get them out of the jungle you know so we just thought it's better to stay here so we technically did have that option to go to Iquitos that morning to get on our flight but we decided it wasn't the safe decision um on different levels and well that makes sense now what were your how about accommodations you had no place to stay, no reservations. Um, where did you stay in, in Cusco? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, so the hotel we were staying in said they had a different hotel where we could go. Um, and, but the problem was, you know, of course people weren't going to be working anymore. And so they, <laughs> this part, they actually, they told me, they were like, so you're going to have to cook for everyone. Like, you know, we'll buy you guys all food, but you can cook three meals a day for 21 people. And I was just like, no, like that's, <laughs> I, I, I looked at the, I looked at the guy. I was like, I don't even know how to do that. I was like, I can't, I don't even know how to make rice for like four people. Like, you know, Okay. <laughs> I looked at the guy. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, that's not, this, this is not gonna, we need to find a, a solution. Like I can't cook for 21 people three times a day. That's a full-time job. Like right. I, I have another job I have to do. Um, so, so speaking so, of which, what did your job? Uh, I'm going to get back to the cooking because I do. That's funny. But what was your job at that point? You, your research was done. You can't do anything because everybody's locked in. So, mm-hmm. what was the job? Just uh, survival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that point, 
I was still, you know, um, I still had to run some programming and we really, the main thing I was trying to do was trying to get the students home. So trying to get in touch with embassies, my job became like, you know, how to, how to, how to evacuate these people. How do you Um, get in touch? All right. Most people listening right now would have no idea how to get in touch with an embassy. How do you get in touch with an embassy? You just call, call 411. Hey, uh, connected to the embassy. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things that you don't, you, you're like, you know, if someone told me, like, you're going to have to contact the embassy and do this, and I would have been like, I don't know how to do that, like, you know. But when you're in that situation. You just do it. The, you just, you just yeah, you, like, Google American embassy in Peru, and you're like, okay, I guess there's a number, and you talk to people, and it's like, I, I you, um, yeah. And, <laughs> and what, all right, so what, you talk to the embassy and you say, listen, I've got 21 students and I don't know how many faculty, how many faculty did you have with your, with you? Um, we had a uh, Laura and three, well, two faculty, because we lost one of them in, well, that's another story, but one of them had to go to Lima, so. Anyway, we, we originally had three. We, we All right, lost wait, wait, one. Just, just so you know, when you say lost, they're okay, right? You didn't lose them. Yeah. They're, okay, good. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Scary yeah. when you're talking about the Amazon yeah. and the jungle and everything else. Okay. Yeah. So so you got a couple. All right. So you call them up and say, listen, I've got 21 students. I've got two faculty. And we've got to get back to uh, uh, Florida um, or where were you headed to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The States. Yeah. I mean, at that point, we at that point, we were just looking for any flight to the u.s anywhere because you know we knew the u.s was still open and we thought as long as we can get them in the country then it's easy for them to to get home sure and how about uh um, how about your clothes you know what did you have as far as your supplies because you didn't you didn't take everything you only took 10 days you were only going to cusco for 10 days you had 10 days worth of stuff with you right you left everything else in iquitos exactly yeah oh yeah yeah ever since i've been home i just keep opening my closet and i'm like wow I do have clothes. <laughs> I do have a lot of clothes. Because <laughs> I, I wore the same thing like every day <laughs> for two and a half months. Wow. Um, okay. Jeez. But, uh, but um, no, I mean, it was between my boss and I. And I call her Nicole. That was that was my boss's name. Okay. I talk about her a lot. And yeah. She is a superstar. She's awesome. She's still in Cusco, actually, right now. Um, but, she's Canadian. But you got the kids uh, out first. Yes. Okay, so how yeah. long did it take you guys days. to get the kids out? Ten days. Um, after yeah, you know, a lot of deceptions of them. Uh, we get it. We're getting these emails saying there's a flight that's going to leave, and then we don't hear anything, and then we find out the next day the flight left, and it's just this frustration. Is like what? Like we knew the flight was going to leave. You told us it was going to leave. Then we didn't get any more details. And now it's gone, and now we're still here. And so, the, you know, 10 days of that kind of frustration. And then finally, one day at midnight, um, a student knocked on my door, and she was like, Emily, Emily, I just got an email from the embassy. There's a flight leaving tomorrow. You know, it, it, we've got to wake up at, like, 5 a.m. to go and everything. And I was just like, okay. So, you know, we woke up all the other students. We said, guys, you're gonna be, there's a flight tomorrow. You're getting on it. You're definitely getting on it. Um, why didn't, and we went from there. Why didn't you get on it? I just, I just didn't, I was, it just felt so like, for, I just wanted the students to get home. And then from there, I just thought there would be other opportunities and I wasn't ready to, to leave that way yet. Um, 
Okay, now your so the student's age range was what to what? Uh, about 19 to 21. Okay. 19, all right, all right. So they're old enough. It wasn't like young kids. All right. Right, and, right, right, right. And what did you guys ever decide uh, about the food situation? How did you handle that for those 10 days? <laughs> no, yeah, we eventually, with the help of Nicole, um, she, we were like, you know, this is, we'll pay extra, we, whatever, but we both have full-time jobs and helping to do things and we can't spend our time cooking so they agreed to keep three staff on to cook us meals and that worked out really well and what were the conditions like of the hotel during this because you had to be you know you needed masks you needed gloves you needed uh hand sanitizer and all these other things that were an issue or was that not even something that you were considering then yeah, I mean, in the hotel itself, we we were okay to not have to use because we'd all we'd all already been together for the time before, and no one had had really gone out, um, so we didn't need masks in the hotel, luckily. Okay. And the only rule was, you know, that was the very beginning of lockdown in Peru, and it was that only one person from the hotel could leave a day. Okay. So. Um, that was the only thing, and they, and they were the, the hotel was saying that they were issuing fines for people out. You know, if they they were checking papers and asking people questions, and nope. if more than one person from the hotel left every day, it would be an issue. So no, were was, you, you know, were you ever the person leaving? Did you leave the hotel? Yeah, yeah. Usually, usually it was me because I went out to go grocery shopping for everyone. Okay. Um, and it kind of fell into the guidelines of my job, so that was actually nice i was happy i got to leave but okay um and was what were the what were the streets like there when you were doing that really empty very weird actually so you had the only thing they had open at the time grocery stores and did they have carry out restaurants available or only grocery stores at the time yeah only grocery stores at the time um and even still now really except for that the the hidden pizza place Oh yeah, um, your friend's right. pizza place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, so I found that, um, but I didn't tell the students that. But uh, um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just it just didn't yeah. But so uh, you've got ten days. Uh, the kids get out, and their flight um, went from Cusco to where did they go to Lima, and then to Florida, or how did they get home? Yeah, they actually they. Uh, left from Cusco and they went directly to Miami. I oh. think. Oh. Yeah. And, and it, it was you from said a it, military it, base. It, oh, it was not a regular flight. It was a military flight. Right? Or was it a regular? Wait, I don't flight? even remember anymore if it was at the airport. Okay. No, it, it was a. It was a. Uh, it was a commercial flight, but it was. We no okay I'm getting things confused no to, no it was definitely at the airport um but it and it was a it was a commercial flight okay for sure but they did leave they just stopped in Lima to refuel at the military base no one got off um and then they went to Miami okay all right and uh, I'm I'm sure you were in touch with them and very relieved when you found out they touched the ground right did yes they, okay yes. All right, and now you're you're stuck there for how long after those ten days? Uh, close to two months and something, um, a little over two months. <clears throat> All right, 
Uh, so uh, what do you remember? Or what can you say about those two months? What were you doing uh, then? Um, well, the first week was really nice, uh, actually, because I got to relax a bit because I wasn't in charge of like 21, okay. uh, you know, 20 year olds anymore. And you were <laughs> so, staying and you stayed at this hotel the whole time, the same place. No, no, no. We we left almost a day day or two after the students left and got an apartment. Um, oh, okay. Because they were because they had to cook for us at the hotel, and I wanted we wanted to be in charge of our own eating schedule. What we were eating is, I mean, honestly, like they were cooking, and but to be honest, like the the food wasn't that great either. So it was, you know, we were excited to be able to be in charge of what we were. Got it. What what was the uh, what what is the food like there? Uh, oh. You know, not during lockdown, but what what's a common dish there? Oh my gosh! I mean, Peru is like a gastronomic. Uh, oh yeah, Peruvian you know. food. Peruvian food right now is huge. Yeah, yeah. It's oh man, Peru. Peruvian food is so good. It is so good. There's ceviche, um, which is a you know a, a dish from Peru. Right. It's like any kind of white fish cooked in the in lime. You know, the lime just right. and it's amazing. And then there's uh uh what another another thing would be ahi de gallina which is like um there's a there's so many you know interesting peppers and things uh that the the peruvian culinary culture has access to so this this orange pepper makes this great like creamy kind i mean i don't eat meat but the the sauce is amazing this creamy like chicken um dish i mean i could go on for hours just yeah no no but i was thinking about that when i was thinking when you said that i was like yeah of course peruvian food right now is like one of the hot things everywhere Mm -hmm. i love it okay so you so you get your apartment and now uh and and this is you and nicole and is tom is your boyfriend there too now did he move was he traveling with you guys or was he still Um, in iquitos yeah Okay. Oh yeah, no, he was he was uh, doing his own thing in Cusco while we were got it doing our programming. Okay. And then we had like four days of a of a kind of a break or a vacation where the students got to go and like you know be away from us, got to do their own thing in Cusco. We all got a, some time off, so we had four days where um, Thomas and I met up. Tomas, or I'm, I always call him Tomas. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> so Tomas and I met up, <clears throat> and uh, you know we had four days of hanging out in the sacred valley which is a, a little a town or sort of an, an area like an hour away from Cusco. Now wait, now this um, is this is during the covid thing? No, no, this was before. sorry. This was before. Got it. Okay. In the before, and you know, we all met up on the last day to sure. all take the flight out together the next day with the students. Got it. So, you know, yeah. we had uh 5 days of programming, 4 days of break and then gotcha. the fifth day was meet up out which never um, which never happened okay so which never happened so you're the, so you've got about <laughs> yeah. two months in this apartment and are you when did you decide you were going to try to get out of there during those two months really it was like uh, like almost two weeks ago um that's when you first started to get out you were you were fine just staying in in cusco the whole time you you were going to stay there yeah i mean we yeah, I mean, I know I wanted to come home and I missed, or I wanted to just do something, really. I was, okay. you know, sort of tired of being sedentary. Was Cusco still, and are they still on lockdown there? 
Yeah. So yeah. the situation with the COVID there is bad. It's getting terrible. It's the it's the second worst hit country in South America, except for Brazil. Yeah, Brazil is getting really hit bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's just getting it's just getting bad, and they just announced that uh, they the domestic just inter, just national travel for people to move by car or plane or boat or whatever within the country won't open up until August, maybe September. Oh, so and so per, travel within Peru won't open till August yeah, or just September within the country. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, international travel might be October, you know. (laughs) Okay, so so, so with all that said, you wanted to get out. I understand. Yeah, I heard that, and I was like, okay, you know, I could have done another month, done two months. I could have done one more maybe, but then I was like, no. I was like, we got to get out now. Now now is the time, and it was from there. It was just like all of our energy was focused on leaving that country. All right. Which so, was harder than we thought it would. Exactly. Be. So so what how did that go down? All right. Now you want to leave. Now I want to get out and you start making more calls, I'm guessing. Yeah. So you know, now I'm looking, I'm actually reading the emails from the embassy. So I I mean, I had never actually signed up for a flight ever. I mean, I know on one of our first interviews I had said that you know, I'd signed up for a flight and the embassy called me. So I'd actually, I was on an email list to get information about flights, but I never signed up for one. Um, when you say, when so, you say signed up, what do you mean signed up for one? Well, like, originally a lot of the repatriation flights, you could, you know, you sign, you, if you're American and you give your social security and your passport number, right. you, you basically sign up, meaning like there's so many people trying to get on these flights that you can request the spot but just depending on your your number on the list kind of and got it you might not get on this flight but you might get on the next one or the one after that whatever so i'd signed up for i or sorry i hadn't signed up for anything okay um i just wanted the information just to know what was out there and available okay um so uh yeah and then the guy did call me asking you know you're on the list but and the list meaning like you you asked for these emails but you haven't signed up for any of these flights you know what are you know what's your what's your plan or whatever so that was no no just out of out of curiosity why why didn't you sign up i i wasn't ready to go honestly i just um all my i mean imagine like you live somewhere for almost two years all of my stuff that i've had for two years you know everything is back in iquitos um I sort of have like a family there in a way, you know, people I love and care about. And I was like, I, you know, I just didn't feel right. Okay. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I to get my stuff. Okay. And people. And, and, um, uh, well, and then ultimately your stuff is still, your stuff is still there. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> so what, all right. Of all your stuff that's still there, what do you miss? Cause you're getting by. Um, I mean, you're living now. I mean, so what are you missing? Um, I guess it's, I don't know. I don't really, I mean, I guess when it comes to the stuff, I don't really miss anything. I guess I could say all my summer clothes are, are there. So when that, when it gets really you know, a lot warmer here, that might be kind of annoying, but yeah, but you'll in get, the end, it's just you'll get more. It's stuff. just, it's just stuff. Yeah. And ultimately that's, right. you know, that's yeah, it's more just, of the, the, the people that I'm really, sure. you know, it's all, it's just one of those things where it's I, like a place where, you know, you get these this influx of, white people or you know people that come to work for this organization and they come through and they have this 
amazing experience in the same way that I did. And then, and you know, and you build these relationships with people right. and then you leave, you yeah. know, and there, and it felt like me not saying goodbye. I was just going to be another one of those people that kind of came in and, you know, I got gotcha. had, yeah. So I just didn't want it. And it's not like that because I will go back and I will see them again. But, um, okay. But I didn't want to be another person that came through and kind of like, you know, juiced everything and then was like, all right, now I'm gone. Got so, it. Okay. Well, they'll yeah. ultimately they'll know that. So, yeah. All right. So you got, so now you got on the list, you got the flight, you accepted the flight and, and then the real story starts <laughs> right? yeah. when you got the flight. That was, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> Yeah. That was like last Thursday. Yeah. Is what, what, right? Were you just told like last Thursday that you had the flight out? I think so. Yeah. I don't even know what today's Wednesday. No, I don't know. Today's, today's, uh, today's Sunday. No, nah, today's, today's Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a uh, week ago last Thursday, I think, when, when your dad told me that you got, that you were getting out on that Friday. So, right. They, they gave oh, you, yeah. did you have like one day notice? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, so for some reason that flight was actually not a U.S. embassy flight. Okay. It was not an American, even though it was going to the U.S., right. it was not an American flight, um, which is the only reason we were able to get, uh, Toma, my boyfriend on it. Okay. Um, he's French and, or he's French national. Yes. Okay. Right. French. Yeah. So, you were able to get him on the flight because it wasn't a U.S. military flight. Right. Yeah. It wasn't uh, organized by the U.S. Embassy. Who organized it? Well, that's what I kind of, I couldn't really figure out or understand because I got the email <laughs> from the U.S. Embassy like saying, you know, this is not a U.S. Embassy flight, but AC Tours, which is some Peruvian or European company, is organizing this flight to the U.S. and I thought, okay, that's weird, but I don't, I don't get it. But I don't know. We can, we can take it. Okay. Um, so, you, so you, you booked it, you took it, and and then again, the, the nightmare doesn't end. It just keeps going. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> we <laughs> like I know, and it kind of, it kind of all sounds dramatic, but it's it is we, dramatic. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, um, <laughs> so you, you get the go ahead, you book your flight. Now you have to go. You have to get to Lima, right? To leave. Exactly. Yeah. Which. Uh, well, the whole problem was like <clears throat> one of the big, the major stressors was the fact that in order, that, you know, the, the lockdown is so strict that in order to to move between regions, you need a transit letter. You need special permission from the Peruvian government, the Cusco government and your embassy, whatever nationality you are, to issue you this letter that allows you to move between regions for the purpose of you traveling home. Okay. So this letter for me was very easy to get from the U.S. Embassy. You know, I told them I have the flight, you know, and you have to send them proof of your flight. You have to send them the driver information, the car, the license plate, the social, the equivalent of like kind of a social security, not social security, but like a ID number um, of this driver, you know, so much information. Anyway, I got all of that and the U.S. Embassy issued me a letter to travel. Then for Toma, it was much more complicated because he, you know, he's French and he wrote the French Embassy. They, he said, I have this flight for New York. 
blah, blah, blah. And they wouldn't give him a letter because if they said, you're not coming back to France. We're not going to give you a letter. It's not a French flight. You're not going to France. So we can't give you a letter. We technically can't issue you this letter. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so now we're like, okay, well, shoot. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I felt really guilty. I was like, I can't leave you here in Cusco. Like, I, I'm not going to go and take this, this bus or whatever and everything. So you weren't going to so leave. I you... guess that we, I, I, yeah, no, I wasn't going to leave without him. I mean, I, I just, that was not an option. So okay. it was either we both go or we both of us stay. Um, and the bus, so I had found, you know, I have a contact in the U.S. Embassy from, you know, working with my students and stuff. I had made made a contact. I had this girl's number on WhatsApp. Um, and I said, uh, and she gave me information next day. This is uh, on Tuesday, all this transit letter drama, everything. Um which we'd actually been trying to get since like Monday or Sunday evening, but the French government, we couldn't get them to, to cooperate and help us out. Even though the guy is going to get to leave the country, you know, that they just wouldn't do it. So, <clears throat> um, we're calling all these different numbers and the contact in the American embassy told me there's a bus, a group of a bunch of people who are organizing to drive to Lima all together on Wednesday morning. Right. And it's so Tuesday right now. Um, and that was really the main, or, you know, uh, incentive for us to try to get on that bus was the fact that it would only be a hundred dollars split with ten people, as opposed to a thousand dollars, which is what it was going to cost my boyfriend and I if we tried to travel by a car, which was the only oh. way to travel there alone. Oh. Okay. So we were really trying to get on the bus because it was also two drivers. You know, it seemed like a trusted thing to do because it was organized by people I knew in the embassy and you know it seemed better than hiring a guy to drive us over the, the Andes Mountains. Now to drive over the Andes Mountains this is not just like driving over a little pass this are these are 15,000 feet right it parts? Oh my gosh yeah it was yes oh, like okay. it is no joke it's these it, winding well to set this scene I guess Cusco is what you say? I just, right. Wait, so you hold on. What did, I, I just this. I lost you after Cusco. Cusco is what? Oh, Cusco is in the Andes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> right. So, so you have if you set the scene, it's Cusco is in the Andes, right? And then Lima is on the on the coast. Lima is right on the coast, on the beach of. Um. So you have to drive from the Andes Mountains over the mountains on the, the desert plateau and then down to the coast. So that was uh, very hard <laughs> for uh, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you say hard for everyone, I mean, uh, because the altitude, you're, you're 10 people on this boat, on this bus are getting sick from altitude yeah. po uh, sickness. Right. Yeah. It was, um, the roads <clears throat> are extremely windy. So you're just going back and forth and back and forth. Um, my boyfriend and I, well, we ended up being able to get on the bus, which is, you know, a miracle happened, but we ended up getting him his transit letter. So being able to make that bus on, on Wednesday morning. Okay. Um, so we got to the bus a little late. <laughs> we got there right before they were leaving the city, fortunately. So we were in the back of the bus, you know, and uh, the, the, you're driving on these roads when the nightfall came, you can't see anything, but all you can feel is this winding going back and forth, 
um, and you're at 15,000 feet, which is only 3,000 feet less than the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, one of the highest <laughs> mountains in the world. Right. Um, oh so you just God. don't feel good. And then, <laughs> and then we had these like three kind of hippies, like, you know, and like I said, like, you know, I have nothing against people that are coming here for the plant medicine, for healing, you know, and right. looking for an adventure. But you also get, you know, a line of where it's like you can be free spirited and, you know, and I'm all about that stuff. I love it. But then there's a line where it's like you just become plain disrespectful. Like you just like yeah. you're living your, your ways, but then you're also, I mean, these girls, they hadn't, it smelled like they hadn't showered in five mm. days or something oh. like this. Okay. You know, so we're sharing a bus and ah. they decide that it's okay to smoke in the van, right? We're oh. like. 15,000 feet they're smoking in the van I'm about to throw up already I'm just like and then I smell like cigarette smoke and how I, how far like, how long of a ride is this to to uh, Lima 20 it's 22 hours normally but it took us about 25 25 hours <laughs> on the back of a bus girls don't shower they're smoking you're 15,000 feet you're sick you're nauseous the roads are curving it's the worst bus trip you could ever imagine. I yeah, I've taken a lot of buses. This was definitely by far the worst. What kind of a bus was it? How how many passengers could have been on this thing? Uh, I think it could have been maybe thirteen. Okay, um, so so you guys were almost full. You you didn't have a lot of room to stretch yeah. out. Oh yeah. Okay. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. And so did you finally say to the girl, stop COVID smoking? Too, right. So everyone, oh yeah, no, I mean, we, I mean, my partner and I started just like angrily speaking in French together and luckily they, I think they understood we were talking about them because <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. we just, you know, <laughs> indirect way of saying like, stop doing that. And because at that point, you know, you still have like 15 hours on a bus with people. I don't want to fight with them. You know, I don't want to get in this right. like uncomfortable situation. Um, oh my God. so now, now how you know, now where would you where would you stop? I mean, you can't cry twenty four hours. You got to go to the bathroom. You got to stop. You got to make some stops. Uh, where would you stop along the way? We so I think we try. I'm trying to remember exactly the names of the places we stopped, but they were really small towns. Oh. Uh, we only stopped three times in twenty four hours. Actually, which is kind of okay. Impressive. Um, yeah, but that's impressive. You could stop. We yeah, yeah, we stopped in. Uh, have you ever heard of Nazca? Nazca? Mm. No. Yeah. They're um you might have when I describe it, you might you might it might sound familiar, but it's a it's this this area of Peru that has these giant geoglyphs. So like these engravings in the soil that you can only see from an airplane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, now I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. I didn't know the name yeah, of the place, so, but I know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, they're pretty you know, some people think that they're from aliens right there's you know there's other evidence of it being whatever from this and that um so anyway that's in that was a that area was one of the places where we we could stop i couldn't see any of the geoglyphs or anything it wasn't and it was dark too at that time um but uh so just to give a point of reference it was okay from cusco we could stop in nazca and then pisco have you, you know have you heard of pisco sour a pisco that's, sour that's on the, right on the water Right, that's up there. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. All the grapes grow in that region. Mm -hmm. um, they make pisco, the alcohol pisco there. Yeah. 
Um, that's that's real popular then, uh, too, right? The pisco that's that's like a real popular thing. That the the, mm-hmm. the the pisco grape or whatever it is. It's, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't like exactly. that. I just you know I don't like that drink, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm no, not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan of pisco. I I, I had it. Uh, I was like, what? And they were raving about it. I said, uh-uh. not, not for me, but that's okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, honestly, I don't like it that much either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I understand you. Okay, good. You. <laughs> All right. All right. So, uh, so then you, from there, you're, you're finally getting close to Lima. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah we, oh, well, we, so like after this, the cigarette smoking and, you know, just we're winding and, and, and twirling up these mountains and it's just getting really hard on it. Now, were you, were, you, nauseous. My, were you nauseous? Were you sick though, the, during this thing? Yeah. I mean, my well, my boyfriend is the one who like grabbed my arm at one point and then he just looked at me and I saw his face and I was like, yep, we got to stop. So I like ran to the front of the bus and I told the guy, I was like, we have to stop, you know, we're going to be sick or whatever. And I, and I didn't think I was going to be sick and um, my boyfriend got out and was, was throwing up and then I heard him throw up and that was just enough for me to feel not so good. So, um, you know, we're just there. It's freezing. It was so cold at the top of this place. I mean, we're in the desert. I'm in my socks. Like I'm like standing out in this, you know, sort of barren land. But the one thing was that the stars in this area were, I mean, I have never seen stars like that at this altitude with the clear dryness of the desert. You know, it's amazing it to me that, uh, you know, you found something beautiful, even in this, all this mess of everything else. It was worth it. Yeah. I mean, that whole trip was obviously worth it to get home, but the the stars and the, I wish it would have been daylight, honestly, if I could have seen more of it. Um, but <laughs> okay, it was incredible. Uh, well, I mean, that's amazing. That, like, like I said, that you're even able to think to yourself, how, how look at the beautiful stars during all this stuff. But good, I'm glad you found something <laughs> great about it. And, and, and then the story doesn't end there, does it? Because <laughs> when you get to Lima, it doesn't get any better. No, <laughs> no. Um, Emily, I mean, as, yeah, as, as you're better, as, you know, as I mean, you're telling this story, are you beginning to realize how unbelievable this story is? I don't. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. It's. Yeah. Uh, I I hope you yeah, listen to like it a, a couple. You'll you'll listen to it a couple months from now and go, oh my god, I did what? What did I do? <laughs> okay. I'm, and what are you doing for twenty some odd hours on a bus? I mean, how much are you reading books? Are you listening to music? Are your batteries uh, charged on your phone? I mean, what are you doing for all that time? Cause to me, that's well. I mean, one of the main things is that we didn't know we were actually going to leave because on Tuesday we still didn't have the, his letter. So oh, we were right. like, okay, we can't get on the bus. And then the bus was leaving at 7 a.m. And at like 9 o'clock, we got the letter at 9 a.m. You know, because we had reached out to all these people the day before and made a bunch of hoopla. And, you know, we like went crazy trying to get this letter. And we were like, oh, my God, we have the letter. We have the letter. So we try- I called the people organizing the bus. And I was like, are you guys still in Cusco? We, you know, we can come on the bus, please. Can you wait for us? And they were at the hospital getting tested. We had to get tested for COVID uh, before leaving the area. Um, so we met them at the hospital. So we had like no preparation. I mean, we like literally 
Okay, yeah, so you forgot Two about that part. You, you, you forgot you had to go get tested for COVID. And how long, yeah. did, how long did it yeah. take to get the yeah. test results back? Well, the test actually ended up being just like a, our temperature taken Got um, it. Okay. and vitals. Got so it. it wasn't a real big, big thing uh, test, but it was all paperwork stuff. So, gotcha. uh, you know, we were able to meet up with them getting the test at the hospital and then we are getting the, whatever, the, the stuff done at the hospital. Um, and yeah, it worked out. We were able to, to meet, so, meet up with them. So, so now you're, um, uh, so let's get you to Lima. You're in Lima, let's say from the bus trip, mm-hmm. um, feeling better when you were getting, <laughs> did you feel better when you got off that bus? You have to feel great. Uh, no, it didn't, didn't yeah. feel great. So it was, we hadn't really eaten anything for like oh. 24 hours. Um, they didn't wait. They didn't stop didn't for you guys. Stay. You had nothing to eat in 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, did anybody on the bus have food or nobody ate? I mean, some people brought food with them, you okay. know, and like I said, we, because we left in such a hurry, that was the, the problem is that we didn't have time to like make sandwiches. I had, you know, we had a couple of bag of chips and like a loaf of bread that we brought with us. So, um, we nibbled on things, but like just the, the windy roads doesn't, you know, you're asking what you do on a bus for 22 hours. You can't read on those roads. Like you definitely can't, I mean, maybe some people can, but like reading i mean the most the thing i was just doing was trying to look out the front window to keep my eyes on the road the whole time got to, it to try to not uh and was there anybody else okay were there other cars on this road or was it at this point because of the covid stuff everything was empty there are a few other cars but no really mostly like commercial looking trucks and got vans it. and things okay all right so you get to Lima, you're still feeling like mm-hmm. shit. You get there. <laughs> and then yeah. you're you're where do you have to go now? Well, we we had found, you know, I'd asked my parents in the middle of all this. I said, "Can you help us find a place to stay in Lima that will uh that will, you know, bring us in because I especially during these COVID times, hotels, hostels aren't really accepting people." You know, and my parents found the the Hilton right next to the embassy or near the embassy where we were going to have to get picked up maybe it wasn't the embassy it was some other meeting point but um you know made i found a place where we could just stay there eat there you know no problems okay so we get to this uh we walk from the drop-off point all of our bags and everything we walk to the hilton at this area and then uh the woman you know we can't even come inside there's a big sign that says stop on the door you can't open the door or anything a woman you know i wave someone down this woman comes out and she says, oh, you have a reservation or whatever. And I said, yeah. And I showed her. She's like, oh, okay, wait, wait one moment. Goes back inside, comes back out. And she says, you know, you can't stay here unless you're going to be here for 14 days for the what? quarantine. Oh, okay. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, you know, it's like it's like 1030 in the morning, I think, right now, which oh. is about 24 hours after we left uh, Cusco. Right. You know, we barely slept on the bus and everything, whatever. So, and I'm just like, <laughs> I, I honestly didn't even care to argue with her. I, I was just like, okay. Like, I was like, that's cool. Like, fine. <laughs> like, I just was like, <laughs> the only thing I was like, why did you let us book this reservation if we couldn't stay here, though? You know, for, obviously only booked it for two days. And she yeah. was just like, no, I'm sorry. It's Hilton policy, blah, blah, blah. And so. All right. So then where do you um, go? Then what do you have to do? 
Oh my god! They, they, <laughs> so I mean, this we're just is literally this is, standing in the street. Like, oh my god! <laughs> no, we're, we're just standing in the street with our bags, and my boyfriend and I just looking at each other, like, okay, well, what now? And then we, he's like, oh, I know, you know, he had a friend in St. Bart's whose dad knew a guy or something, so always that's how it works out. So he has this number for this like really beautiful hotel, actually called Second Home. Anyone traveling to Lima, I would say go there. It's a beautiful hotel. It's called um, Second Home Hotel? Called Second Home, okay. yeah. Um, and, you know, we call them. We say, you know, explain the situation. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. No worries. And we say, okay, we'll be there in 30 minutes. So we, we order a taxi. We get a taxi, which was hard to find. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And then finally, you know, get to this place. And it's a beautiful hotel, like right on the water, kind of. It's like up on the cliff, but overlooking the ocean, um, the Pacific Ocean, which felt like freedom. I mean, just looking at that ocean and being inside somewhere. Right. I'll bet it was. I bet that does. So, so that, yeah, that had to be, it had to be a great feeling then. Yeah, it absolutely was. Yeah. And, jeez. Um, <laughs> Unbelievable, and there and you were there for how long at this hotel? We were there for two nights. Okay, two nights. All right, um, and and then yeah. your flight back was a military flight, right? The flight back to uh, to the it states. Was, yeah, it was a. It was that out of the military base? Okay, but it was a commercial flight, uh, or. Well, by that tour company. Okay. And mm-hmm. okay, so so you had that, and uh, and then just getting on that thing was uh, was an issue. Wasn't there a situation on the plane? Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we had to get picked up at five a.m. outside of this meeting point. Um. And then we drove, they drove us to the military base. There was a lot of waiting, I think. So we got picked up at 5 a.m. It's now like, like 10 a.m. And we're, you know, they have these big tents set up and they're checking, you know, they have people line up with all the, the social distancing, the amount of feet between people and whatnot and checking passports. So all that gets done by like 12 o'clock. Um, and then we, we uh on the plane and it's like one o'clock now you know we're trying to leave the flight was supposed to leave at like 9 a.m by the way (laughs) but anyway the so it's like one o'clock well and and just so you know know, um while while you were texting your dad he was texting me so i was following this whole thing she's on the plane she's got the flight she's on the plane she's here she's here no she's at the airport now they won't let her on now so i mean i have all these texts going on it's just it's incredible and then of course that well you you tell everybody what happened with the other news, so. Well, you're <laughs> yeah, on no, it's funny that you got the the play by play. It's cool. Oh, oh yeah, I I played by played this whole thing with them. So it was, <laughs> it was a, yeah. All right, so so you 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 wow. get on there at like one o'clock or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, and we're on there and we're just waiting and waiting and you know waiting for people and then there's a few more people that who I don't know where they came from but they also got on the plane. Um, and then all of a sudden, this guy is like putting his bag up on the, the you know, in the luggage um, storage, and then he just collapses. He just 
he just fell down and you know people are sorry this is a couple of rows in front of us and people are like you know this guy just fell down you know what's going on or whatever and my heart starts beating really quickly because you know my first I start and I, I jump up because I'm a I'm a wilderness first responder right so I do I have like I do have the tools to to help with this kind of thing and you know and um it was just I thought okay like here we go this is it right now you know right. um and it's not really the the time right now during a pandemic that you necessarily want to be giving CPR so you know you have all that running through your mind and um I I get up and luckily you know there was a doctor on board and a paramedic that was there so which was like a huge relief um right. just to know that there is someone I mean I'm I have a lot of medical training but you know someone I obviously I'm not a doctor or anything even close to that or a paramedic so you know they're doing CPR but even like I mean, if you've ever done CPR, you're doing CPR properly, like one minute, you're worn out. I mean, it is a really hard thing to do. Um, so, but it looks like they had three people there rotating through CPR and, you know, there, there's people are crowding around and you just, I was yelling at people to just shut up and sit down. You know, you need to give these people space. You need to, they're also, again, remind you, like we're still at altitude, right? Oh no, no, this is Lima. We're not in altitude anymore. I think in my mind, I was like, oh my God, we're at altitude. Um, <laughs> so hard to give to you. Um, and you know, and so, and the other thing too is you get these idiots like taking pictures, right? And oh the come only on! Contribution? No, I swear, I, it's like serious. God. Yeah, like you know, this guy is literally is obviously dying, you know, or is going to die, and and oh. you're all you your only contribution is to stand there with your damn smartphone and take photos and videos and i just that i mean we sense. just shamed that guy in the plane we all like my, i started you know yelling at him and the other guy in front of me also was like dude what's your problem man like you know so what is wrong with people guy, the thought that they're gonna do that during this so yeah okay so yeah. and and they yeah. they weren't able to save him right i mean he he died on the no, plane? No, yeah, no, unfortunately, unfortunately not. And it was, he was an old guy traveling oh. alone. So, you know, there wasn't even anyone there really to to answer, yeah. help answer questions. Or I was thinking maybe there's med medicine in his bag or, you know, something that yeah. someone to, to look to for answers. Um, wow. But uh, no, so we're trying to give him space. And then, so anyway, the, this, these, the paramedic and the doctor and this, these other people there who were, you know, trying to, to help, you know, after like 30 minutes and really that's kind of the, the line after, if you're doing CPR for 30 minutes and the person hasn't right. come back then there's the shot that, you know, there, there's not a lot of hope. So. Well, they um, weren't able to get it. They weren't able to get an ambulance there in time. Did they well, that's what I was wondering too. I was just like, you know, someone it can you know i didn't have a phone at this point um and I, I i asked if someone called the ambulance or what was going on and they were they said yeah and but then they just had people come on and they the guy came off and well no sorry we they had people come on and we had to all get off the plane so i don't know what happened from there but okay um yeah. so we all had to get off the plane and get our stuff and then go back to the the bus and then um yeah so after the, you know, after all this getting on the plane now you have to get back off the plane again and right and, and then how long how long before the next flight 
did you have to well wait? <laughs> yeah i couldn't <laughs> i i i couldn't uh you know we we kept asking you know are we gonna leave today or you know and we're at the military base so it's not like i can just we can just take a taxi and go back to the hotel and say okay you know we have to rely on the the company to bring us back to the meeting point to take us out of the base and everything so i asked them yeah we're, are we gonna leave today or they said yeah we, we still don't know we don't know what's gonna happen so we're just still like on the tarmac on this bus with no idea you know if we're going to leave today or tomorrow or if they're going to take us back or do we need to get another hotel room or whatever so we wait for about two hours three hours um and then might even have been more than that actually but someone came on the the bus and told us that you know today they're like yeah at five or five thirty where you'll get a you get a plane today, another plane. Yep. I was I was gonna say I think it was five thirty when it finally happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's what time it was. And yeah. and, and then you had a, a long flight, you went straight to JFK and uh and then what Jan how did you when you got off of JFK, did you have to quarantine there or what did they do to you? No, I will say it was actually pretty pretty relaxed. Um, I'm surprised. The, I mean, because you were you, you were. I was gonna say you were coming from foreign, from uh, Peru. You're coming from another country, and you just go to JFK, and they just let you loose. Yeah, yeah. What was custom? Did uh, you have to go through customs? Yeah, we went through customs, and we were. I mean, I mean, I was nervous for Toma, but Toma was like extremely nervous because he was he was uh he didn't know if they were going to let him in or not if they were going to take him into a room and say you know like you're deported going back to France or whatever would have happened so oh man he didn't we didn't know if he was going to be able to be allowed in the country uh but we just kind of walked up to the the little window and the guy and you know he asked have you been in the uh, Schengen space recently or come from traveled outside of Lima or, or no sorry traveled outside of Peru in the last two weeks we said no and he was like all right you know welcome home to me and welcome to him wow that's unbelievable that part's unbelievable and they just let you go and there was no quarantine when you got back to in no that's really something no no it was uh yeah it was i was i mean we were so yeah it was like all this stress for so long for to make it be so easy and then when and then when you got back uh when you got back to new york did someone, did you take a, how'd you get back to, uh, to Maryland? We, um, well, we originally, we had thought we were going to get to New York, you know, the night before at some point, uh, late the night before. So we had already had a hotel room booked right next to the airport. Um, but we ended up getting there at five thirty in the morning. So we just still went to the hotel. We took a cab. There were taxis outside the airport, yeah. uh, took a cab to the hotel, Passed out for, well, actually, we were so hungry again because we didn't really eat a whole lot that week. Because also on the plane, they didn't give us any food. We got picked up at 5 a.m. that morning. And then we, you know, the morning we left, we got picked up at 5 a.m. Yeah. And then time by the time I got to the U.S., it was like 24 hours later. So, again, that whole time, we didn't really have a lot of food with us. Wow. Um, so we were really hungry when we got to New York. So we were just waiting for the restaurant to open at 6.30 in the morning. And then uh, as soon as that opened, we ordered like four or five breakfasts of room service. Um, and, just, and then I passed out. And then I just like fell asleep till 11 o'clock. Good for you. An Un- oh. unbelievable story. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I hope you documented all this with photos because it's an unbelievable adventure, the whole thing. Uh, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, it was wild for sure. What are you doing? What are you going to do now? What's next, um, what's next for you? Well, like right now or like, I don't know. In like your, in your, in your mind, in, in your <laughs> mind, when, when the, when the world opens up again, what does Emily Wayne want to do? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. I, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I, uh, for now I'm really happy to be home. I, yeah. I will say it's, I haven't been home in a, in a long time. Um, or at least I haven't like lived home I don't, for right. a long time. Um, Hey, and they, and they made you in the U.S. They, they made you a nicer house, right? right See what happens when you go away. They yeah. made you a nice house. <laughs> yes, yes, that's definitely. Have you have you been here yet? I have not. Believe it or not, I have not been there yet. <laughs> and all this stuff happened. I was like, because I didn't want to go there during it. I wanted to see it when it was done. I just wanted to appear one day. Um, so yep. yeah, I'll I'll see it one of these days. Um, so, yeah, I hope so. I hope yeah. sometime this summer. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So you, uh, so you don't know what you, you said you're going to, you are going to live in the States. You're going to stay for a while. No, I, I mean, I think I'll be here for a bit, but I don't know if I, if I want to live in the States for now, I'm still kind of, um, I just, uh, there are a lot of, I mean this, and I will say like this country is amazing for so many things. I mean, and we, I like, I when it talks, when it comes to taking things for granted, like it will, you don't realize that, you know, the luxuries that exist in this country until you don't have them anymore. And I'm sure a lot of people do realize them, but it's, especially when it comes to even, you know, administration and uh, things, trying to get things done. We are so lucky. Things are organized. I will say that things are organized. There's a standard um, and it's, that's wonderful, but there are some other things that I, I don't like as much about living in the U.S. that, uh, and I really like about living in other countries that, um, yeah, I don't know for now. I think it's, it would be hard for me to live in the U.S., I think, right after all that, all this. Well, well, I, I mean, I think where you've lived, what you've done, and, you know, I mean, you guys, uh, you're, I met you living in the islands, and your life has, has been amazing. Your mom and dad, what they did with you and Dylan when you guys went out of school and you drove all the way down to um where'd you go patagonia or no where'd... argentina yeah yeah, yeah, yeah argentina. patagonia i, I mean mm-hmm. to do that they, you know and i think the two of you uh you and your brother i think you guys really uh, at this point you appreciate that what what happened right a hundred percent i really appreciate my parents um and the education that they that they gave me that they facilitated for us to get and no, I'm so thankful for that. I really, really am. Your education is forget about a Harvard and you know a, a Harvard degree. What you guys have, the Wayne degree, is way worth a hell of a lot more. I mean, you you've <laughs> the lived Wayne the Wayne degree, yeah. And now you're and now you're back at Wayne Manor, so <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it, exactly. It it's incredible. I I mean, it really is, and and it's nice to hear you say too that. You know, hopefully people listen to this and realize that um, we have, we do have it great here in the States. And until you leave, sometimes you don't realize. And I also understand why you may want to go elsewhere too. So I, I can get both sides of that from you. And I understand it. But 
But for now, yeah. enjoy being back yeah. here and, and take advantage of all the good stuff we have here. But do do you I know will. do I you know will. what career you want to do? Do do you have any idea what the career is for you? Yeah. Uh, well. Mm, okay, these are okay. This is kind of. It might sound sort of crazy, but um, and I this is really something that's come up during. The, these COVID times and quarantine mm-hmm. and I've been thinking a lot and you know I think I'll have a lot of other steps of things in between but I think one day I really I just really want to be a farmer <laughs> I want to farm my own food I want to grow things sustainably organically you know bring back to life different species that have kind of gotten pushed to the side with the sort of the mainstreams of, of soy and corn and, um, you know, replenish, help replenish the earth with things, work with my hands. I want to build things. Um, I'd love to just really like live, I'm not saying completely off the grid or disconnected, but I think we've just seen, you know, with the economy crashing <clears throat> and all of these things going wrong, how important it is to, 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 to be self-reliant, you know, to like, grow your own food have that available to you know how to build things how to fix things um and i think that's more maybe of like a retirement thing or something but i've just you know i come to think of it that you can't go wrong when you when you have your own food and your own land and and uh, you can build your own house i i don't uh i don't think it is crazy when you say that i think more more people that have never thought that are thinking the same way. So I definitely don't think for you to say that's crazy now with everything that's going on. That's for sure. Yeah. No, good. Yeah. It's, I, I, and I, I think that's really beautiful that like a lot of people are realizing that, you know, that it's almost this full circle of, you know, our life started out so simply and or so simple. Um, and we go through all this pot progress and industrialization and the scientific revolution, and all these major wonderful things that have happened. And then, you know, with the civilization, I guess not civilization, but we're sort of reaching our carrying capacity on this earth, you know, of the amount of people that can live in it and the the way that we, we, our relationship with animals and how we farm animals and how that's creating more diseases and things and with the proximity of people living together and the animals living together, that it's all creating this full circle almost where we have to come back and look at, okay, well, how do we, how do we live simply again? How do we have local food that's going to that you know our community and our town can survive when a pandemic hits and we don't have access to markets or things are not running you know can we live as a community together well it's it's really interesting well i want to well with that said will iquitos being in that situation more than any place you've ever been because they are so independent will they take that kind of advice and will they survive because of that Mm, I mean, that's, well, it's the opposite right now. They're just completely collapsing but because of, you know, they just, most because of the, the lack of hospitals and mm. uh, okay. they were already kind of um, having issues before COVID with the, with. Um, so, so were the, there people over, not farm, were they not farming over there as much as they should have been? Were they not? living off the land like they could have and were they did they become too dependent on everything else 
No, I mean, I think that they are farming and they are living off the land, um, but they also do still rely on selling their crops or selling or trading their 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 harvest uh, into the city and, you know, having access to markets to be able to sell it. So you're you're absolutely right. It's it is you know they 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 are self-sustaining in a way, but it's also you know and it's like for even from what I said before, it's nothing is as simple as that, right? Of course, there's so many sure. complexities that that go into everything, and the combination of people living in poverty and then the you know and there's not they don't even they don't have proper you know waste facilities and hospitals. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. No, sorry, when I meant waste, I meant like, uh, like almost like wastewater, just like hygienic uh, infrastructures right. for bathrooms and so, stuff. So, so does it feel good being back now in a place where it it is? And, um, the one thing about the state, it's clean here. It's everything pretty much is clean. <laughs> Do you find that, or what is something that you really find refreshing? It's funny that you say that. That's exactly what I thought when I got here. I was like, wow, it's so clean. Like I just, even in the, in the JFK airport, you know, in the bathroom, I was like, wow, this is a very clean bathroom. I just kept thinking that. And then the, you know, you go into a bathroom and there's toilet paper, there's a seat guard, you know, there's all these like things that you can do to, to, you know, keep your, your, your hygiene and, and, uh, and, um, that's like even get- when my brother picked me up from the train station and we were uh in wilmington he picked me up from the train station i'm driving down the road and even just the organization of the roads like i just thought wow everyone's in their lanes and the road is so clean and the paint is new and those signs are right over the road and you just understand it just looks so pristine to me but this is like a strip mall area right <laughs> <laughs> it, it looked it looked finished and and that's what i found in, in traveling and i've certainly not traveled anywhere near the amount or the places that you have but i've traveled enough to know that when you get back here it's like you know what we do a pretty good job in this country <laughs> we, do, we do things it, it's orderly it's clean it, it looks finished uh, where other places may not be and i'm not saying it's better or worse i'm just saying that is something to take we take for granted, but we shouldn't. It's nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and you can go into, like I said, going back to the bathrooms, you can go into a bathroom, you know that there's going to be toilet paper there like 90% of the time. Um, you can, you know, you can. Uh, well, well how about the fact store. that you, you can go to a bathroom and know that there's actually going to be a toilet in there too? <laughs> I mean, exactly. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just a hole in that piece of wood. Yeah, totally. Well, your your story is nothing short of amazing. I, uh, I I appreciate you giving me this you know the time and and uh, it's amazing the difference a week makes because when we talked last I I've, I don't know when did I talk to you on a couple days ago mm-hmm. we we talked and uh, I felt bad for you I mean because you you could tell you were <laughs> you're you were like scrambled eggs I mean you, you had so much going on I know you still had a lot of work to do and I felt terrible I even said to you today if you don't want to do this I get it. I get it. I really did. But I'm glad you decided to because I think your story needs to be told. I think it's an incredible story. I, I think you're you're an incredible person. You really are. And uh, and just uh, whatever you decide you want to do, you're going to do it. There's no doubt in my mind. No, no. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much. No, I really I really appreciate the 
I really appreciate the opportunity. Like this was so cool to be able to to talk about it. And um, you know, I've been journaling a lot since I've. Uh, that's one thing I did pick up when I was living the uh, living in Peru. And you know, I don't have internet and things. You start to go. You know, you you start to find things to do. So I've been journaling a lot for uh, almost two years now. And um, even journaling when I, you know, it's something I want to keep doing here when I get home. And it's it's really nice to be able to not just because you know you get kind of lazy sometimes in journal too right you don't give the full story so it's <laughs> being able to talk it through and and uh explain it is is also really wonderful for me too and i really appreciate that that you appreciate it oh <laughs> so a- ab- absolutely um, and and that's that was almost one of the reasons i was pushing because i thought it's important i i would not want you to forget this um well, yeah and i get the journaling and everything but to actually get those words out and say it and to hear it and maybe you'll listen to this too and You'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, and for your mom and dad to hear this story. I don't know how much you guys have uh, had a chance to talk and during a, all this and how much all this they know. So it, it's amazing. It is. Yeah. No, I actually haven't. We haven't chilled a whole lot, honestly, since I got back. It's a little, you know, hard, but. Uh, You're living in a trailer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he, totally. He told me he said he moved in. You know, you got you got to be quarantined. You've got like another week in the trailer at least, right? Right, exactly. That's funny. And then you get to go to the, <laughs> and then you get to go to the garage, and then you get to go to the main house. So you're you're making your yep. way up, Em. You're getting there. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, of all the places you have been, and because really, uh, you've been probably more places than almost anybody I know. What places do you find really livable or where you would live or, you know, just, you know, put a finger, you know, I wish I can go back there and live for, even if you wanted to live in a place for a year at a time, I'd like to go, you know, fill in the blank. I'd like to live here for a year. Where would you want to go? Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, I mean, I guess one place, uh, that really that really stuck with me in the past um that's a city that if you were going to live in a city and you know you kind of needed still that that sort of city life which is totally fine and, and awesome is um barcelona okay barcelona spain is an incredible city it's you know you can you can be on the beach at one moment and then an hour later you can get on a train and you can go up to the mountains um there's you know the spanish culture is really fun and lively the food is great and it's beautiful and i just remember when i was there um i was playing on a soccer team there when i was uh 16 or 15 right and i lived with a host family there um and so i had my little you know spanish family in in barcelona and, and everything it was it felt really cool and I just think I just remember being in that city. Even when I was sixteen, I thought I could live here. I mean, it was one of the first places that ever said, like, just immediately, I could live here right now. Um, I, I I came back uh, when I came back from there the first time. I thought the same thing. This is an amazing European city. Everybody needs to mm-hmm. check out. Bar, bar, what did I say? Barcelona. Barcelona. Gotta. Yeah. When I was there, I was like, everybody here is gay. Everybody sounds gay. <laughs> Like, wow, it's a very nice place. <laughs> it, it, it's that, what is it, it, it Catalan? It, is it Catalan that they speak? What do they say? Yeah, okay. Catalan. Yeah. Catalan, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a, the, 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 everything's like the 
C is a T-H, and it just sounds very strange at first. Right. But then you get used to it. Yeah, okay. it does. You're like, you're like, what? You think you talk to one person, and you're like, okay. And then you realize yeah. that everyone has this, like, list thing almost. And yeah. All right, so uh, I, I'll, I'll, that one I can relate to. I can agree with you. Um, how about a place that you've never been that you want to go? What about that? Oh, I, uh, I don't know why. Um, I don't, well, oh, that's such a hard question. There's so many cool places, but yeah. there recently, I mean, this is this kind of what I've been thinking about in, in the future of maybe trying to move there uh, in the next year. So I think a place I really want to discover is islands, the islands off Panama, the place where I had originally been looking for that job. Okay. Um, there, it looks like there is some, you know, incredible islands that I would just call like roots, you know, like roots islands where it's really just a little island and you can still find like it's not too but, too taken over by tourism and it's just a really simple life um have you and that's and you've never been there i've never been there no oh. i just hear i've just heard about it from friends who've done surf trips and okay you know, things that there's like a little group of islands that you can really have like a pretty cool life living on Okay, and you're talking right. Are you talking about the ones right near Peru or like further out? Like not the oh, no, not the Galapagos. You're not talking Galapagos Islands. No, no, no. Uh, off okay. of uh, Panama. Sorry, did uh, I say Peru? Or, or, I no, no, no. You Panama. said no, no. You said you said Panama. I, oh. I said, so like the Pearl Islands, those kind of islands. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's apparently there's like a place there called Bocas del Toro, which is a pretty like big touristy area. Okay. But then you get a little further away from that, and then there's like some some cool places. Um, but again, this yeah. is all I, I don't really know even ones. really looked into it. Yeah. I don't really know much either. I just I think I, I ultimately I want to go back to a to island living. And, okay. um, you do. And and how yeah. how yeah. great was it? You know, growing up in uh, St. Bart's. I mean, you, you grew up there. Did did you appreciate growing up yeah. there? Did you like it? Absolutely. Oh, oh my gosh. I I mean. When you're a kid and you're growing up somewhere, you don't really know, but you're growing up somewhere. <laughs> if that makes sense, like yeah, sure, you're, sure. You know, you're just this is like life, right? You just you're seven years old and this is all you know. And in a way, it's like that's what you're used to seeing. And then it's not till you get older and you come back and you're like, oh my god, like that's how I I was a kid here. Like this is where this is my first experiences in, in life where this seeing this and living this and it's yeah. Yeah. I think about it every time I go home. I can't believe I go. I grew up there. I grew up there. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's it. like uh, I think at some point my kids appreciate it too. Uh, somewhere along the way, that you know, it's like wow, that you know, they'll look back and go, that was that was a pretty cool place to grow up. You know, not everybody grows up in the Caribbean. So right, I yeah, because your kids lived there till they were pretty yeah. old too, right? Till they were yeah. like 10, ten or twelve, or yeah, t- uh, my daughter was ten. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that's that's about how old I was when we left as well. I think ten yeah. or eleven. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I think she likes it. You know, I, she liked the fact she did it. It's something different, and it's hey, if nothing else, it certainly is a good icebreaker in conversations. It's a good conversation piece, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Do they go back? Have they gone back since they left? Not. No, we did at the beginning, but not, no, they haven't been back in years. No. Yeah, my son talks about it. Jack talks about going back. He wants to go back just for a visit. Yeah. But 
yeah no definitely I think it's one of those things it's like when when they go back it'll be like uh they'll be like whoa you know they, it'll just all come back you get yeah. so many things that will return I hope so yeah we'll see we'll yeah. see how they feel Alright, listen, I, I don't want to ruin your whole uh, weekend, but uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for this time and doing this and sharing an amazing, amazing story. Uh, I, I hope people listen to this and appreciate everything that uh, you've been through and, and what you have to offer and uh, the information. And, and thank you for all the connections. Um, through you, I've connected with some of your friends uh, and I I tip the hat to your, you know, to you because people judge it by the company you keep and you keep some pretty good company there. So good job, Cindy Lee and, uh, Feffy. They were great. They were great. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, thank you. Yeah. They're awesome people. Yep. Um, but, uh, no, I, I really, again, thank you so much. This was so cool. And I think what you're doing, like interviewing people from all around the world, um, it's, it's really cool too. And it's just such a, it's just such a wonderful way to, you know, like just use the the abilities that we have here on the, you know on this planet to communicate with another and get news and that yeah. steps aside from the media. You know, it's so awesome that you're doing this. Well, so, thank I I appreciate yeah. it. And I know people the the feedback's been good. The the Root Awakening World Tour. Uh, I think next week we're going to Denmark, Holland, Australia, Hong Kong, and oh, I think uh, Kenya. Thanks to your dad. So, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I think we got that coming up next right. week, so it should be interesting. Yep. Good. It's, I'll be listening. All right. Emily Wayne, what a story. Do you <laughs> do do you have Facebook or anything that uh any social media people could follow you on? Um no? yes, but I'm not super active on it. So okay. I don't know how interesting it would be. But right. uh right. but um I should be more I'm trying to yeah, yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to figure out how to put it all together into some way to show people, but Maybe that'll be a quarantine project here. There you go. And and then uh, I'll have to have you set up a, uh, an interview with uh, Tomas so we could talk about yeah. his, his work. Yeah. It sounds fascinating. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Well, have a great weekend, and uh, and thanks again for everything. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you thanks, soon. Thanks, Bulldog. You All too. All right, Em. Bye.